Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome, listeners, to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, always talking everything college hoops. Thanks for tuning in, carving out some time as always. You could have been anywhere else on the dial, but you're here with us, Mike and Gus. We appreciate that. Let's get things rolling for you guys on this podcast. We're going to give you a little rundown of everything that's happened the past couple of days on Wednesday and even give you a Thursday night game that we're trying to view while doing the podcast for you folks. Uh, Why don't we start uh, on Wednesday night and start with a little uh, ranked team action. Uh, Gus is going to go solo on you here. Uh, We're going to give you a little rundown of what happened on Wednesday uh, and then finish up with a preview of the weekend action between the Big 12 and the SEC. I'll give you a little feel, a little flavor of what's going to happen in each game uh, and maybe where I'm leaning either way. Uh, so let's catch up on the games on Wednesday, shall we, everybody? Cool. Hey, listen, number one Villanova took care of Providence, 89-69. The Friars made Nova think about this one for a little bit, right, in the first half? They kept it a little live. They actually played pretty competitively that first half, but Villanova does what they kind of always do and slowly pulled away in the second half, and then boom, it's a 20-point game before you know it. But the real topic that we need to talk about with Villanova is the injury news, the unfortunate injury news, with Phil Booth being out again. You hate to see a college student athlete suffer so many injuries during one career that sideline him, and especially on championship-level teams. You never want to see that player, that student-athlete, miss out on an opportunity to be in the locker room, be on the bench, be on the practice floor with his teammates, his coaching staff, and the program that's helping them get to that championship level. So you really feel bad for Booth that this has happened a second time within three years. And Booth had been doing some work, averaging about 11.5 points, three boards, three assists. He had 40 made threes. Dude was an impact player for Villanova. Man, boy, it's nice that Colin Glepsey is back and returned just in time. The 6'3 Frosh just got back in time from his injury to fill some of those minutes that Booth is going to be missing. So I think Coach Wright is going to have to figure out what is his starting lineup moving forward without Booth. And then how does he adjust his bench rotation moving forward uh, while not totally hampering him and taxing the other starting players with more minutes. This is going to be a little bit of a juggling act early on. And Coach Wright is really going to earn his money if Villanova is going to hold on to that number one spot or just hold on to a number one seed, which they're projected to be right now if March Madness were to start you know, next week. So Villanova with a nice win over Providence, but the big news here to pay attention to is Phil Booth being out with his broken hand after starting out and having a nice, impactful season thus far. Uh, let's, let's go to the number two team. UVA just absolutely destroys Clemson. 61-36. I mean, 
and I'm just going to quote somebody that, that, you know, that tweeted us and texted us uh, and, and incorporate what uh, we traded a couple texts with Dr. Tony, a friend of the podcast. How does any team have enough energy to score 61 points while you're efforting on the defensive end and holding a team to 36 points? Like, how does that distrib- distribution of effort, like, work out? That distribution of effort is absolutely staggering. I don't understand how you hold a team to 36 points in the whole entire game. If we go ahead and look at the halftime splits for the games that were competed on Thursday, multiple, I'm going to say 90% of the teams had 36 points at halftime. UVA holds a ranked Clemson team to 36 points. Absolutely amazing. Continuing Mike Randall's Miyagi-Do theme for the Cavaliers. Miyagi-Do UVA. UVA just continuing doing what they're doing. And speaking of in line for number one seeds, that matchup this weekend with Duke is sick. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do to limit Bagley and the rest of those talented freshmen surrounded uh, by the senior Grayson. I want uh, Grayson Allen. I want to see what UVA has in plans. I can't. I, I, I just can't imagine a way that they're going to effectively defend. Marvin Bagley Jr. with Jack Salt. I don't get it. I think they're going to find some avenues. So if I was leaning one way for that UVA-Duke game, I think I would lean a little bit towards Duke, even though UVA has been unbelievably impressive thus far, just because I don't know if they're going to have somebody to answer Bagley. I think they have enough on the perimeter, and I think they can match up at the other positions. And you know who's going to slip underneath the radar in this game as well? Wendell Carter. Carter's playing absolutely He's so under the radar right now because of the attention of Bagley. And, I mean, Grayson Allen's obviously flying under the radar as well. Like, absolutely no attention is being paid to him. And he's being he's probably sending out thank you notes to everybody that's not paying attention to him. Like, thank you, thank you. Thank you for just letting me be a role player. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But Carter is absolutely doing damage as another big side-by-side. And one of the things that Mike and I harp on uh, – year after, I mean, not year after year, but all last year is in the tournament, two bigs can work. So if you play if you play Bagley and Carter next to each other and they're going to play this effectively moving forward, like even with their defensive, defensive efficiencies, uh, inefficiencies, they are a, they're a danger because those two bigs are playing so well in concert with each other. So that game, totally looking forward to it this weekend. But UVA is so impressive. Giving up 36 points. How do you even do that? Again, distribution of effort in that game, staggering. How about we go to Oklahoma State and Texas Tech? Texas Tech had been reeling a little bit due to the injury news they got from Smith. Um, and even though, he, again, we mentioned that he's like not one of their double-digit scorers, but they just relied on him to do so much offensively, so much defensively, so much you know, with defensive rotations, um, and they just used him as an anchor on both ends of the floor. But Texas Tech gets a great win, 75-70 over Oklahoma State, kind of a get-right win. Now, with that injury to Smith, they do have a little less margin for error than they already had. And we know Texas Tech is one of the top defensive teams in the country, top 10 KenPom.com defensive team on defensive efficiency. So they do have this this low margin for error, and they don't really have a score, a, a, a consistent score behind Keenan Evans. I mean, Evans went off for you know 26 and five in this game, like he you know that's usual Keenan Evans, which is like 
out of control Keenan Evans. Um, but I think what's going to happen here for Texas Tech moving forward with this injury is I think Zaire Smith, the 6'5 freshman who's averaging about 10 points a game, is going to need to grow up really fast because they're going to include him and inject him into the starting lineup for the Red Raiders. And my guess is Zaire Smith is going to grow up real fast, and I bet he answers the bell. I'm thinking that he's going to do some big things. His first start did not go according to plan, one from nine from the field. I mean, uh, that, that that's not what you're looking for. I bet some of those like starting lineup butterflies got to him a little bit. I mean, I can still remember like as a sophomore uh, getting in the starting lineup for the first time on the varsity floor, and I was like, whoa, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So I can totally, I can totally uh, sympathize with uh, Zaire Smith, and I think that uh, I think Smith is going to get it right because he's so, so gifted athletically. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those guys that kind of grows into this role, and people are going to be asking at the end of the season, why didn't we put him in the starting lineup sooner? Uh, how about the double overtime drama between Arkansas and Georgia? Arkansas squeaks out the double OT win. 80-77, to 77. and man, this game was really well contested. Not like a, a super efficient offensive game, but the effort on both sides like kind of popped through the screen and was really apparent. Uh, Arkansas is, this is a big one for Arkansas on the road. Uh, they're now 14-6, and 4-4 four and four in conference. You know, Georgia falls to 7-4, and 3-5 uh, in conference. Um, and Macon, you know, Daryl Macon just, just hit a ton of contested shots here in the second half. I mean, he hit threes with people in his face. He hit pull-up jumpers. He had a couple follow-ups. And this backcourt is an issue for the Razorbacks. I mean, who do you focus on? You, 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 do you put your attention on Buford? You pay attention to Macon, you know, who went off? You pay attention to Beard, who kind of runs the show? I don't, I don't know. Like, that, that, three-headed, that three-headed monster in the backcourt there? Arkansas does have something going. I know, I know that they're very volatile, and, and you can't really count on all three of them going off at the same time. They, you know, Their shot selection is a, a shoddy at times. They're not the most consistent decision makers uh, on offense, but goodness, are they gifted. So Arkansas, great road win over Georgia in double OT. And Yontay Maiden continues to do his thing and, 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 you know, play like player of the year in this conference with 26 and 15. Um, uh, you just thought Georgia would be able to out-tough a home win against a, a, a flighty Arkansas team on the road. So this was a little bit out of character and, uh, you know, a, a nice step out of character for the Razorbacks. So Razorbacks win 80-77. Uh, another game uh, from the Big East, number eight, Xavier, just totally kind of stomps on Marquette. I think a number of people thought this was going to be a little bit closer uh, than the number put out there. We put it out there as one of our lines to uh, pay attention to Xavier, and, we, and this is the one that we nailed from Wednesday. We had a bad day Wednesday, but this is one of the games that we got right. Um, Xavier wins 89-70. to 70. So number eight, Xavier, goes to 19-3. and three. Uh, They're 7-2 and two in conference. Uh, Marquette falls to 17, uh, I'm sorry, 13-7 and seven and 4-4. Four and four. And Marcus Howard is just plain old fun to watch at this point, right? He has another game with 33 points. Uh, he, he is not at the Trey Young level. Or uh, I'm gonna. How about this? How about we equate him with Trayvon Waters from uh, LSU? Like I think both of those guys. Like anytime you're gonna flip on a Marquette game or an LSU game, 
like both of those players are worth watching, right? So Marcus Howard does it again with 33 more points. Uh, balanced attack on offense for uh, Xavier. Uh, Blewett scores his 2,000th career point. How good is this guy? He went for 13, 10, and 5. He had three made threes. Just can you know, you know, limited minutes due to the blowout uh, score. And Paul Scruggs, frosh combo guard. We talked about him a little bit on the podcast. Went for 10 points in this game. How about this for a prognostication? How about, do you remember when that Duke team with uh, Okafor, Winslow, Jones, and Grayson Allen was a freshman, and, and Allen had that go-off game in the tournament where he went for like 25, and then that helped propel them to the championship? I can see Scruggs pulling a Grayson Allen as a freshman that comes off the bench and has a blow-up game like that that wins a game for his team in the tournament that maybe they really need because their, their star, Blewett, has a little bit of an off game. Um, Yakura is really well guarded on a great matchup. Uh, maybe Cantor is matched up with another quality big. Uh, Gates is a little bit off from three. And then boom, in comes Scruggs with 20-plus, and Xavier moves on to the next round. I can totally see Scruggs pulling a Grayson Allen during his freshman year for this Xavier team, for them to march to the Final Four. Another great game and another Miyagi-Do team that Mike Randall referenced. Auburn, number 19, kind of beats up Missouri on the road, 91-73. You felt Auburn on the road, Missouri being a little desperate, this game might be a little bit closer. But again, Auburn showing what they're made of. And they move to 6-1 in in conference. This is insane. They're 18-2 overall. Missouri falls to 13-7, 3-4 in the conference overall. Very Georgia-like at this point. Uh, and Auburn just continues to amaze. And we talked about Arkansas's like three-headed monster in the backcourt, Buford and Macon and Beard. How about Auburn's backcourt? How about love the little point guard, Jared Harper? He went for 21-6 and had three steals. And then you add in Mustafa Heron. And then you have Bryce Brown, nice shooter for Auburn. Uh, Harper's averaging 12.3 points per game. Mustafa Heron is averaging just about 15 points a game. Brown's putting up over 16 points a game. So you like this consistency from the backcourt. We talked about Arkansas's uh, backcourt being a little volatile. I feel like Auburn's backcourt is as impactful, but maybe a little bit more reliable night in, night out, on the road, at home. I think they're a little bit more steady. So you love this 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 triumph that they have in the backcourt with Harper, Heron, uh, and Brown. And I think Auburn's not going anywhere. And I think Mike Randall's Miyagi-Do team of Auburn is going to continue to do some damage in the SEC. Uh, How about we talk about another SEC matchup that was a little bit surprising, maybe not to the surprising tune of Auburn blowing out Missouri, but just in the result itself, right? How about South Carolina getting a great road win, 77-72 over number 20 ranked Florida? I mean, I think Mike Randall and I both thought that, oh, Florida's kind of back. They're ranked. They're not going to leave the rankings again this year. They're back on track. 
and boom, South Carolina happens. I wish that we had a Miz, Mike Randall text rundown for this South Carolina game like we did previously on the podcast. That was one of the highlights of the season thus far on the Screen the Screen or College Basketball podcast of, uh, uh, again, Mrs. Mike Randall's text to Mike on what was happening in the game when he was out running some errands. Uh, I don't have a rundown like that, that that's good, so I'm not even going to pretend to have one here for you. But I think the one thing to take away from this game is that Florida still has trouble with physicality against the Gators. I think the one thing that is um, comes up over and over again is if somebody a team is going to get in their get in their grill a little bit, bother them on the three point line, and get them out of their comfortable spaces, they're gonna run into a little trouble, and that's like what South Carolina does every day in practice, right? They just move people out of their comfortable spaces and ask their, the opposing team to attempt to get comfortable while being uncomfortable. And Florida certainly couldn't do that um, talent, athletic talent, that gr- what makes great athletes great is operating comfortably in an uncomfortable position. So South Carolina gets the win 77-72. Uh, and of course, we got to talk a tiny bit about uh, uh, hashtag basketball narcolepsy with uh, number 23 Nevada falling in double OT, another double OT game to Wyoming, 103-102. Uh, what a matchup. You, like when you got your eyes on this game, you kind of felt like Wyoming wasn't going to go anywhere the whole entire game. You felt like they were just going to hang around and hang around every time Nevada uh, pumped out like a three or a five-point lead. Here comes Wyoming with a turnover uh, and, and a layup back the other way, and you just felt like it was going to go back and forth. Justin James, 6'7", junior, went for 33 points, 10 boards against this Nevada team, so he actually matched up really well with the Nevada uh, positionless uh, guys like the Martins and, and, and Caroline and Hall. Um and and Nevada, this is, I feel like this is the second time Nevada's done this. Like they they've gotten to the national rankings and then they get tripped up. So I feel like it's just another situation. Like we've talked about on the podcast before. If you if it's the first time in the top three of the rankings, uh, if you're one, two, or three, you might like that that pressure might get to you. Or if you're at the bottom end, it's the first time you've been in the rankings in years and years and years. Uh, Nevada ran into that problem earlier this year, and then they just ran into it again. And plus, let's just call it what it is, right? With this Nevada-Wyoming game, isn't this just corrective karma, right? Isn't this just like the Mountain West corrective karma? If you think back to last year, like one of the most iconic games in the season last year was that Nevada win uh, in the immense comeback against uh, New Mexico. And, and, and then the bank three and then the, the, the run to overtime. So doesn't this game kind of like just get their karma even again? And now they can just start from square one. They don't have to give anything back anymore. So I'm almost glad as like a, you know, a quasi Nevada fan that I, I, they got this game out of the way. And it's not going to happen in the conference tournament or in March, more importantly. So Nevada and Wyoming, unbelievably entertaining game. Uh, 103-102, Wyoming pulls out the win in double OT. And then uh, finally, I think we're going to end with the biggie uh, from that evening where number five, Kansas, falls to Oklahoma. Oklahoma gets the win 85-80. to And I, I, I think 
more than anything from this game, I think we just have to ask like a simple question about two factors here, right? Where are you at? Where are you at with the Trey Young thing? You on the Trey Young side where he should jack it up 39 times in a game? Or are you at on the, oh, wow, he put up 26 on nine shots thing? So where are you at with that? And then I think we also can ask, where are you at with Kansas? You at with you you with Kansas being a, a national title contender, a Final Four contender, or do you think their number five ranking is a little bit inflated? And like Mike said on previous podcasts, are, are, is Kansas and, and Bill Self just doing a little bit of an illusionist act right now in these late game situations? They couldn't pull it off this time against Oklahoma and Trey Young. So I think where are you at? So I'll tell you where I'm at with both of them. Number one, where are you at with Trey Young? Fine. This is we are we are witnessing the growth of a freshman student athlete before our eyes. That's what we're witnessing right now. We're not witnessing anything different than that. I mean, if we go check out the I don't know the tennis court uh, at any university, we're gonna witness like the second doubles tennis player like evolve as a freshman. Uh, if we go to any football program, we're gonna watch like the. <laughs> We're going to watch the strong safety evolve in their coverage over their freshman year once they get plugged into the starting rota- uh, into the starting lineup. And we're seeing the exact same thing here with Oklahoma and Trey Young. He's been given this freedom and this flexibility and this creativity by his coach, and he went and ran with it. And guess what? His coach just said, okay, it's a little too much. Let's rein it back in. Let's work on this. And guess what? He worked on it. He listened to his coach. Guess what? He listened to his teammates. Guess what? He listened to us, the media. He listened to what we were saying. And he adjusted. And you know what's going to happen again? Three more adjustments moving forward. Is he going to shoot nine shots his next game? No. Is there going to be a happy medium somewhere where he can find, uh, I, I don't know, like the 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 corrective balance of how his team should operate on the offensive end? Sure, he probably will. Uh, but will there be some ebbs and flows one way or the other uh, moving forward as we get closer to March? Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to watching it, viewing it, and talking about it. I love that we're seeing Trey Young develop, grow, expand, learn, fail right in front of our eyes. And I love that he's doing it uh, and allowing us to do it. And, like, think about – I mean, Mike mentioned this again on, on the, some of the summer podcasts – what other team has open practices where anybody can go and watch a practice? Oklahoma does. Long Kruger does. Coach Kruger does that. So not only do we get to see him, like, you know, whatever, every big Monday or anytime Oklahoma's on ESPN, like, if you're from that area, you can go watch what happens in practice and the things that they try out in practice and the, and the adjustments that they're making. Like, we, this is an open book story. I love that it's an open book story. So where are you at, Trey Young? I'm looking forward to him making a couple of more adjustments on both ends, like putting up a couple more shots and then going ahead and readjusting to that as well. I think we're going to see an even better Trey Young in March. And where are you at with Kansas, right? I never was really on the Kansas bandwagon here as far as a national title contender this particular year. Um, I thought that they were vulnerable in conference this year, and they've proven again, like, okay, we're the team to beat. I think if Graham can continue to play at the high level that he is, which is a top 10, top 12 player in the country, then that puts them in line for kind of where they've been the last couple of years. 
they're going to be a threat in the conference, and then they're also going to be a threat for the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. But I don't see anything further beyond that. I don't think that they're a national championship contender, although they do have Azubuki, which is one of your required bigs. But where am I at with Kansas? Kind of where they've been the last couple of years. How about a Sweet 16 for Kansas? And then let's end with uh, let's end with one of the games that uh, was on kind of while we're podcasting here. So I was trying to you know go over the notebook a little bit uh, and get all the, the stats in for you guys, but then also keep my eyes on the game. And we had number three Purdue take down number twenty five Michigan ninety two eighty eight. And again, I don't have a ton of notes on this because it just took place. But here are the things that I took away from it. Ready? If you didn't see this game, go back and watch it. Go back and watch just the second half. The second half was some of the highest quality college basketball that you were going to see all season. I'm going to say it's a top 10, top 7, maybe even a top 5 game that you're going to see all year. Is it on the par with Florida, Gonzaga? No, maybe it's a step down from that, but it is really, really good. They were Both teams were unbelievable shot makers in the second half. Um, there was well-defended shots, and, and, and Abdul Rahman like, went nuts in the second half. Um, he, he, he was like a player on NBA Jam in the second half. That's how hot he got. Like they, Whatever they did to him defensively, he was going to put it up and make it. Um, Vince Edward has the, the quietest 30 points that you're ever going to watch. Um, he hit a couple free throws down the stretch to seal it out, but that, that 30 points is literally the quietest 30 points you're ever going to see. Um, Carson Edwards' block with uh, under 30 seconds to go on the defensive end was really impactful and helped close out the game. Uh, Michigan free throws down the stretch, a little bit of an issue. Great shooting team. Uh, They missed a couple free throws down the stretch that could have made this game a little bit more interesting, uh, maybe a little bit tighter in the last couple of possessions. And we're just going to say thank you to this game. Thank you for being one of the top games that we're going to see this season. So again, if you did, you know, if you're a watch ESPN person, you go back and watch the replays, like just dial up the second half of this game. You will not be disappointed. Trust me. You will just be like, holy smokes. I can't believe both of these teams are playing this efficiently on the offensive end. All right, listeners. Again, if you like what you're listening to, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we're at SDS Podcast. Efficiency of keystrokes, of course. Looking to get in touch with the podcast, maybe have some suggestions on what we should be talking about, what we should be doing, uh, what direction we should be going in. Um, Hit us up on Gmail, sdspodcast at gmail.com. Please follow Mike on Twitter. Mike Randall is an absolute riot. He's entertaining and informative. Uh, Please hit him up at Randall Rant. And uh, if you're looking for Screen the Screener in print, uh, Mike does an unbelievable job with his short corner write-up each week. Uh, it's whatever minutia is floating around his college basketball mind. He puts it out there for you to consume uh, in print. So please find that at randallrant.com. And you can consume all the podcasts uh, on that site as well. So that's randallrant.com. Uh, and hey, if you really like what you're listening to, don't be afraid. Hit up iTunes. Give us a nice review. Type up some nice words. You type up some nice words, we'll give you a little shout out on the podcast. Uh, and say thank you and salancha and gratulatia. Uh, so uh, if you like what you're listening to, you know, be uh, thankful on the other end, and uh, we, we'd love to hear from you and interact with you that way as well. Uh, so thanks, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll finish up with just a little rundown of the Big 12 SEC showdown. I'll just run through the games really fast for you. Uh, tell you which way we're leaning if, you know, if gambling was legal, as Mike and I like to say. Uh, we'll start with... Uh, 
So here's a rundown of the 10 games, and then uh, uh, we'll get you out of here. Uh, how about Baylor at number 20, Florida? Now, we just said that Florida has some problems with some physicality uh, if somebody's going to D them up. Uh, Baylor might be the team that does that, but I still like Florida with a little bit of a bounce-back game here. I don't know if Baylor's going to have enough offensively. Florida isn't afraid to muck it up and play defensively, but I can see Florida banging a couple threes with Hudson. Maybe Kevon Allen gets straightened out again. He did have that nice pop game where he went for over 25, so maybe he, you know, can replicate that in this particular game. And I'm interested in the Chioza Amano uh, LeComp matchup because I feel like these two undersized point guards do get undersold nationally, and they're both ultra talented and unbelievably competitive. So if nothing else, I'm looking forward to the point guard matchup. But give me Florida in the first matchup. How about number 14, Texas Tech? goes to South Carolina. Now, South Carolina's coming off two really nice wins. Uh, South Carolina did beat Kentucky. They just came off the win of Florida. Um, And they have it kind of rolling the right direction now. So kudos to Coach Martin. And you know what's odd about South Carolina right now? You thought that maybe bringing in Brian Bowen would create, like, some negative static or ancillary uh, issues that they didn't necessarily need to deal with. But it's almost like that's been like a galvanizing force for them since they brought him in on the bench. And, and I don't know, maybe he's improving practices or something. I'm not entirely sure. But I think if you were going to take a guess on how that would affect the program, you might think it might affect it negatively. But apparently it was a pretty positive move for them. Um, but I'm going to say give me Texas Tech. Give me a bounce back game from Smith in the starting lineup for Tech. Uh, so I like Texas Tech on the road here to get it straight and maybe South Carolina have a little market correction after a couple of nice wins. Uh, how about Georgia at Kansas State? This might be one of the most even games in this matchup. Uh, I'm going to see that. look at the under on this game since they don't have the numbers out yet, but the under on this game might be pretty interesting. Uh, and I think if you're looking at uh, Brown and, and, and Maton, I think that's your best player versus best player matchup. I'm going to say give me Yante Maton. I'm going to say give me the small forward going off for a, a similar game that he had against uh, Arkansas, maybe like a 28-12 and 12 game, and Georgia getting a needed road win, and this would be a nice resume for, win for them. This would keep them at least on the bubble in March. So give me Georgia on the road in a surprise win at Kansas State. You know, all these games aren't going to go according to plan. That's one of my surprises there. How about number 12, Oklahoma at Alabama? Obviously, the guard matchup with Sexton and Young here is the is the appeal. But, I mean, you can look at the, you know, the Robin matchup, if you will, with uh, Manic or James versus, versus Petty. Uh, that, that's also, or Ingram or Key, like, those matchups are also really appealing as well. Uh, I'm going to say give me Oklahoma on the road. Maybe Sexton isn't all the way right uh, physically yet uh, and can't go, like, total red line full speed yet. Um, so maybe he's like an 85% Sexton, so give me 100% Trey Young. Um, still trying to figure it out uh, and get it right and maybe takes, I don't know, 17 shots instead of 9 or 39. Uh, so give me Oklahoma on the road with a nice win over Alabama. Uh, Old Miss at Texas. I'm just going to take the most impactful player on the floor here, and I'm going to take Mo Bamba and Texas, especially because they're at home. Uh, I can also see Roach Jr. going off 
uh, athletically uh, against the old Miss perimeter. So give me uh, Roche with a couple of highlight plays, Bamba with a double-double, and maybe four or five blocks on the defensive end. Again, I think low-scoring game here. Take a peek at the under at this. How about TCU at Vandy? Interesting matchup. You want to see TCU get a road win here, and you know what? I think they will. I think if nothing else, I mean, Mike and I were talking about how TCU might have been in trouble because I think we were just assuming they were going to lose that West Virginia game. And boom, they come back and win that West Virginia game and totally change the narrative on their season again. And so they've been so like so high, so low. So maybe they're back on the upswing here. So give me TCU for a win on the road against Vandy. Um, Maybe Bain goes off and makes about four or five threes. And you know what I can see? I can see Robinson playing like 38 minutes with like a low turnover number here, and that might be the the reason that they win. Um, How about number 24, Tennessee at Iowa State? And again, not all these games are going to go according to plan, so I'm going to say give me Iowa State at home here. Give me some Hilton magic and uh, and the Cyclones representing the conference and beating a ranked team at home, and this might be the one win that Iowa State can hang their hat on all season and be like, hey, we beat a ranked team coming in. Uh, at at home and and this was the this was this is what propelled us to like the NIT or something of that nature for Iowa State. So give me Iowa State in an upset here against number twenty four Tennessee. Uh, how about Texas A and M at number five Kansas? Look, I don't know the line on this, and I, I don't know like how healthy or how ready Texas A and M is going to be coming into this game, but give me Kansas and give me Kansas by a lot in this game. I think this is like a gimme Kansas game at home. Um, I don't know if Bill Self will have his guys like up for it. I mean, yes, the Texas A&M bigs will give Kansas some issues, but I just don't think they have enough on the perimeter. Give me Kansas in, in, a, in a big win here, even though Texas A&M is very desperate. Uh, how about Oklahoma State at Arkansas? I'm going to say I'm going to trust the Arkansas uh, trio in the backcourt, Buford, Macon, and Beard, uh, to outplay the perimeter on Oklahoma State and, and and so give me Arkansas at home. I think that one's kind of easy at Bud Walton. Um, and then how about uh, Kentucky at West Virginia, like the highlight game, right? And again, all these games aren't going to go according to plan. How about if Quade Green and Gilders Alexander handle the press together? What if they play them together for the majority of the game? And they have two A-plus ball handlers in the backcourt. And then maybe Knox hits a couple, Vanderbilt hits a couple... Uh, they and they don't have to go inside to to uh, you know test out West Virginia's shot blocking. So I, I I don't know if I have the recipe right here, but I, I think I like Kentucky on the road here, and I think I like Kentucky and Coach Cal getting it right. So overall, I think I have the Big Twelve winning six, SEC winning four. So Big Twelve comes out on top, and we've talked about the Big Twelve being the best conference all year. Um, so listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Gratulatia, Salancha, Cheers, Arigato.